Welcome to the Team Building Podcast, where you'll learn how to build a dominant real estate team in your market. Featuring masterminds with team leaders and mega agents, plus in-depth interviews with operations managers and marketing directors of some of the top teams in the country. You'll learn the latest methods to generate and convert leads, streamline your operations, recruit and train better agents, and raise your profit. And now, here's the latest team building podcast. We've got a phenomenal guest here today. He's the leader of the number one team in his state. Uh, he also has some expansion agents, and we're going to talk about lessons learned, failing forward in every aspect of building a team and expanding both in and out of state. So we've got a bunch of stuff to get into, as always. And the man, the myth, the legend is here looking a bit scruffier from his return from South Africa, Jeff Cohn. What's up? <laughs> Everyone was giving me a hard time when I jumped on because my beard, I think I'm at about a month, month and a half. Um, Matt Johnson's opinion is that like at the two week mark, I look the best, the most defined and chiseled. So maybe I'll bring you guys my two week mark beard next Wednesday. Stay tuned. It's funny. (laughs) We assume as we look at ourselves and talk on these podcasts that everyone else is watching. And I'm guessing about 1% of our audience actually looks at our beautiful faces. A majority are listening on iTunes or Stitcher. Um, And you can even listen on YouTube and not watch the feed. But if you ever do want to watch us, we are on YouTube. You can look at our guest's face and see our expressions. And we try to come nice and non-scruffy to most episodes. (laughs) <laughs> That's right, exactly. Well, we show up and we try to throw some pants on as well. Um, okay, so let's uh, let's welcome in our guest, Eric Hatch, founder of uh, Hatch Realty up in Fargo and other cities. Eric, how's it going? Oh, really great. Thanks. Uh, Fargo, North Dakota is where I call home. Uh, yes, there are houses here and electricity, and so things are working very well for us. And I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. So thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, We're pumped definitely. to have you. you know, it's funny, on a lot of the podcasts I listen to, I feel like the person interviewing never asks the right questions from the beginning just to kind of set the, fa- the stage or the foundation of the interview. Why don't you share with our audience really quick, brag a little bit about yourself. What are your biggest successes? How many sales last year? What's your team look like? What do your expansion sure. locations look like? Help us know a little bit more about you. Uh, so I got into real estate full-time in 2011. Uh, so I'm still a bit of a new kid on the block here. Uh, started a team in 2012, had great success and even bigger failures and have met then with even greater success. Um, owned my own brokerage now for four and a half years. We just got recognized as one of the top 30 brokerages in North America for our social media presence. So that just came out like two days ago by Property Shark. And we're really excited about that because number one uh, was Century 21 and number two was Redfin and number three was Keller Williams, I think. And so here we are, a brokerage in Fargo, North Dakota, only open four and a half years, uh, less than 40 people in our entire brokerage. And we're in the top 30 in North America. So that's pretty baller, I think. Uh, on top of that, uh, we we run a very different organization than maybe a traditional brokerage model. Uh, our, our brokerage is just a team. And within that, we believe in going deep instead of wide. Uh, we have Navy SEALs uh, as, as our salespeople. Uh, each salesperson on the buy side averages 50 or 60 transactions. Each listing agent averages about 100 transactions a year. And so we run uh, in our town of Fargo with nine producing agents. Uh, and then we have expansion in Grand Forks, North Dakota and Detroit Lakes, Minnesota. Uh, those expansion markets don't do the same production we do here in Fargo, uh, but they're newer and we're working towards it. So all in all, uh, we're the number 43 real estate team in the country, according to Real Trends. currently. Uh, we closed 652 transactions in 2017. Uh, we're currently pacing for 700 to 750 transactions in 2018. 
and we just finished our best month ever uh, with over $20 million in closed sales volume. So with an average sales price of 230000 bucks, we got to sell a lot of houses to get to $20 million, but we're having a hell of a time doing it. That's awesome. Cool. Quite a resume there, Eric. Very impressive. Uh, starting in 2011 is even more impressive. A lot of people at your level have been in the business over 30 years. So that's great. You've been able to do this so quick. What were you doing before real estate? Uh, I did ministry. Uh, I, I graduated from college. And uh, at that time, my mom had just passed away. My only parent, my dad was never in my life. And so was orphaned, abandoned at the age of 21. Uh, my church locally uh, took me in. It was really important to me uh, and uh, gave me a family and a foundation. Uh, I fell in love with, with the ministry and the church. And so worked there for eight years doing youth ministry uh, and mm -hmm. hanging out with kids and uh, I always liked working with kids more than adults because they uh, they trusted me right away and didn't come with all these uh, levels of <laughs> doubt. Um, I got paid not a lot, but I got paid to to have fun and to challenge people. And then kids were naive enough to believe that they can go and change the world, so they actually would. And so I had entrepreneurial uh, happenings at the church. It was really a, a fun and energetic place to be. Uh, it just wasn't the best place to take care of my family. And so uh, as my wife battled infertility and I battled uh, a lot of financial mistakes, uh, I needed to have more cash in the bank in order to support my family. So I fell into real estate and jumped in full-time in 2011, and it has been a roller coaster since. Mm. Yep. Uh, five years in a row, the number one team in North Dakota. Very impressive. Share with us how many agents are in Fargo. If you know the numbers, how many sales a year take place in Fargo and how many people live in the Fargo surrounding areas? Uh, so Fargo as a city is about 120,000 people. Uh, the two okay. counties that we serve uh, are about double that, 240 to 250,000 people. Uh, so our brokerage has about a seven and a half to eight percent market share. Okay, and that's exactly um, what I'm uh, that, for. So that's, so, so that's our team. Yep, we have uh, about 800 agents in our area, and those 800 agents sell uh, about 8,000 sides. So the average realtor averages 10 deals a year, pretty typical with uh, national averages. Sure. Yeah. Awesome. You know, it's interesting. We're very similar in our numbers. Last year, uh, we were about 750 deals. Uh, we were ranked number oh, 38. Oh, that's fine. A little bit more than me. Journal. That's fine, Jeff. That's great. Well, just a little <laughs> bit more, but I've been doing it 11 years. You've only been doing it five, so you're a lot more successful than me. So my hat goes off to you. Great job, Eric. And let's talk about all of the great ways we've failed. You know, so often in this industry, we all have big egos. I carry an ego. Most people do. That's okay, as long as you can be humble with that ego. And today, it's going to be about humility, the things that have knocked us down and helped us recognize we're just normal people. Uh, making mistakes and failing forward. So I'm sure I can come up with a myriad of ideas, but let's start with you, Eric. What have been some of your greatest growing pains over these last five or six years? <laughs> uh, I, I started off with a big box brokerage and uh, my first year in my uh, in business of real estate, I sold 52 homes uh, right out the bat in my first year. And I was like, hey, I'm supposed to build a team because that's what people are supposed to do when they're successful as realtors. And what they don't ever teach you is that just because you know how to sell houses doesn't mean that you know how to lead people and to run a team. Uh, and so I hired my three uh, closest people that said, yes, I would come and work with you. Uh, it had nothing to do with any sort of uh, divine talent acquisition to make sure that I was putting the right people in the right seats on the bus. And instead, uh, I hired my friends. And that went about as well as you could expect. <laughs> I, I grew from in, in 2013, I grew from four people to 13 people. Uh, I expanded to Grand Forks, North Dakota, 70 miles north. And then the oil boom in North Dakota was happening. Fargo sits on the Frack, eastern fracking. edge. 
That's because right. of fracking. A lot of, of freaking fracking going on, and, and <laughs> it was it was it was happening out in western North Dakota. Fargo's on the eastern edge, bordering Minnesota. Um, mm-hmm. But I picked up twenty five million dollars in commercial listings, which I had never done before, uh, oh. in uh, a community six hours away. And so what? I spread myself. Yeah, I'm just. I made the assumption that because people would give me their business, that I should handle their business. Right. And, and I'm, a, I'm a stern believer that just because you can doesn't mean that you should. And, and yep. I could uh, go to Western North Dakota, but I should not have gone to Western North Dakota. I should, Great lesson I could learned. Have, I could have expanded, but I should not have expanded at that time. And, and mm-hmm. I, w- I was too new. I had not figured out the, the foundation that I needed to operate on. And the people who I had hired, albeit good people, were not the, the right people for where I was at. And I was, even most importantly, I was not a good enough leader to lead this group. And so my 13 people in early 2013 turned into three people overnight as I got kicked out of my brokerage. I uh, was given, uh, given a chance to start over. And I thought I had all my stuff figured out. I was receiving all these awards and recognition and accolades as the top selling team. And, and uh, in a six state region, I was number one for my company. And I thought, man, everybody loves me. And it turns out I was a flaming dumpster fire of a hot mess. And uh, when I got kicked out, I asked my whole team, except for two people to come with me. And only two people actually came with me. So I went from 13 people down to three people overnight and started over. So what was the main reason you felt like you had this huge, uh, you know, group of people wanting to leave? Uh, this exodus, or at I, least I, them I, I was, booting you. Uh, I wasn't the leader they deserved. Um, I, I had them riding on my coattails instead of me building them runways. Mm-hmm. Um, they worked for me and I didn't work for them. Uh, okay. They, they picked up my table scraps and I didn't do anything to feed them what I could. I just said, if I can't handle this business, or you, you take this. And it was, it was all about me instead of being all about we. Yep. And Matt, we've talked about this a lot. We've seen this a ton of times that that first wave of hires ends up crashing and burning because that rock star agent is focused on themselves and not focused on the new job they're choosing to take over, which is owning a business, running a business, scaling a business. And we all know as leaders, we have to serve our followers. So for you, Eric, that come to Jesus moment was when everyone pretty much said, hey, we don't want to be a part of this anymore. We're out. And you recognized that you needed to do it a different way. So share with the audience how you recognized that, where you've gone to get some information to help you do that better the second go around. And then what are some of the strategies you've implemented this next time around that's made you so much, so much more successful? Well, in that uh, April day in 2013, when I was given the gift of starting over, uh, I recognized that people, people didn't want to come to me. They didn't want to work with me. And I realized that I had done it all wrong. Um, I was teaching them how to sell houses uh, and I was giving them scraps, but I wasn't trying to impact their life. I mean, looking back when I was in it, I thought I was, but I was, I was concerned about real estate and I was not concerned about them. Um, this, and this is kind I of surprising even, to me because you were just coming off of a ministry where you yep, were yep. full heartedly focused on these youth, but then some switch went off and you said, you know what, I need to make some money. Let's go after it. Let's get to it. Over 50 yeah. deals your first year is quite impressive. And for some reason you kind of shut that off. Well, switching to work from a nonprofit to a for-profit is a convoluted, uh, complicated and really emotionally, uh, 
draining experience. Um, I, I had, uh, as I was starting, I had what I diagnosed as wealth guilt. That all of a sudden I was making oh, totally. four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times what I was making previously, and I felt guilty about it. And yet I looked at the, this, this corporation world where it was all um, what you see on Wolf of Wall Street. Like, let's make as much money as possible, and let's do this for me, and let's screw over as many people as we go. And I, I never had the desire to screw people over, but I, I thought that I was supposed to live uh, a Glengarry Glen Ross kind of life and to try to close people. And, say, and my nature was to serve people. So understand, I wasn't authentic to who I was. And because of that, it created a really convoluted mess of things. And in fact, I've had the privilege of doing a couple of TED Talks now. My first TED Talk uh, was to talk about owning your hot mess and, and to be vulnerable and transparent. And the second one is to run a... a for profit with the heart of a nonprofit, because I, I, I now have the gift of perspective and I can look back to see the error in my ways. And so I understood that as I rebuilt this, I had to be authentic to who I was. And that was I needed to I needed to pour into people and I needed to have success through others as as my tag and, and not just people successful because they were in my world. And so if people ever ask me, uh, how many people work for you? My answer is none. I, I don't have anybody that works for me, but I work for my people. And so I have you know, right now, 38 people on my team that I work for. And then I have some other businesses as well. Um, mm -hmm. and, and so as we grew this, I knew that I had to teach other people uh, how to have what I have instead of me getting some of their stuff. And, and so uh, I, I wasn't interested in bringing on an agent that sold 10 or 15 homes a year. I was only interested in bringing on people who had the same kind of hunger that I did. And that's to grow a really big world. Now, Jeff, there's there's things that have been complicated because of this, because now I have some agents who, uh, you know, are producing 100 to 150 deals a year. And that comes with a new level of complication from from splits to uh, leadership to um, are they are, are they flight risks? You know, uh, and, and we've learned some lessons along the way and, and we're getting better as we go. Uh, but as I've had to reinvent myself now, I show up to work every day to work for everybody else and they don't work for me. Love it, man. Lots of really great points there. Um, when it comes to the education piece, to be a top team in any state, I mean, obviously you've invested a lot in yourself, um, not only through the service you had as a minister, but of course, I'm sure there's a myriad of books and podcasts and people that you've coached and mentored with. Why don't you share with our guests what's helped you, in your opinion, get to where you are today? Uh, so I'm in a group called Rate Radio and Television Experts, uh, and uh, I'm not here to endorse radio or TV because I think each market is different and, and it's, it's worked for us. Uh, but what I found is I found a camaraderie and a brotherhood uh, with the people that are in that group. Yeah. Um, there's nobody else in my town in the real estate business that I want to go uh, and have deep, vulnerable conversations of how much I'm messing up. Uh, <laughs> and, and I don't have anybody else in my town that is uh, producing at the level that our team is producing. And so I need to seek out the, the Jeffs of the world down in Omaha uh, that will allow me a chance to find a kinship and a brotherhood where we can really say, these are the problems I'm dealing with. Because the, the problems at a six or 700 transaction team is far different than the problems at a 100 transaction team. And yet they're still the same, too. That's, that's the obscure thing, is that I learn more from people who sell 12 homes a year than sometimes those that sell 1,200 homes a year. Because their problems feels so much bigger and so much raw. And, and so I've, I've both gone up in my rate group and I found people who are much smarter and more experienced than me. And then I found people who are newer 
And as a coach now, and that's been uh, my big hustle lately is our, our Hatch Coaching Company, uh, we've been really intentional to, to learn from people that are at all different levels. Um, but to, to answer your question with specificity, uh, I, I am still a student, not of necessarily the real estate game. I'm a student of leading people. Uh, I'm a student of uh, empowerment. Uh, I'm a student of how to give my best to people and that'll intrinsically have them give their best to me. And so guys like Simon Sinek have been huge. Uh, Authors like Brene Brown have been uh, cornerstones. John Maxwell is a dude among dudes. Uh, Tony Robbins is brilliant, right? So, So there are these people that I'm studying and pouring into. And then there's a network that I found of my brothers and sisters that I can really uh, learn from and go from. So community has been everything. And then of course, continuing to be a student is essential. I think that's key. I think a lot of people miss that mark. I know in the beginning of my journey, I would read as many books as I could read. I've read hundreds of books on real estate business, self-betterment, et cetera. Um, the next step after that was podcasts and webinars when all of those started launching in the early 2000s. And then I found I got to this point where the book wasn't relevant because it was two or three years ago that it was actually written. Um, the podcast wasn't as much content as I wanted because I wanted to be able to talk to the guests. I wanted to do the interview myself. You know, I know a lot of people are probably listening right now going, yeah, Jeff, I wish you asked these specific questions because they're the questions that will solve their problems. And so that's what we try to do as we interview. But an interview is not enough um, to listen to on a podcast. You actually want to break it down with someone to spend a few hours with them. I'm your neighbor down south. Come down anytime to Omaha next time you're here. I'd love to buy you lunch, Eric. And we can trade. Right. Uh, can... trade. Then I'll write off the trip, too. It'll be perfect. It's a business trip. Let's do it. But where I saw a huge breakthrough for myself, not only in real estate, but in other areas of my life, like charitable contribution, fulfillment through travel, uh, personal health, mental health, et cetera, was through creating these special relationships with individuals that I thought had mastered those areas in their lives and gave me the ability to reach out to them via a text message, a Facebook message, or a phone call anytime I needed. To me, that was so much more groundbreaking than reading a book or having a podcast that I listened to. So I put that out there for everybody. And you heard Eric say there's no one really in his market. That's my same issue as well. There's great people in my market, and I do have people I mastermind with and I look up to. But net-net, I needed to go to a national audience. Raid is a great option. Matt Wagner, I know for most big city locations, there's not a place available. I know in Omaha, I wanted to join Raid. And um, a good friend of mine, Adam Briley, has the only position available in Omaha. So there's other great networks out there. I have um, affiliation with Viral Marketing, V-Y-R-A-L marketing.com. A good friend of mine, Frank Klesitz, owns that company. They put on a really great mastermind every quarter. Um, a, a group called Go Abundance, which is for anyone that has a net worth of a million or more, is another great group. Um, M1, which is anyone aspiring to be a millionaire, you look up M1.com. Matt, what are some other groups and Eric that you know of that our audience members could join to be able to get that brotherhood or that network that they might be looking for? Mm. Uh, I was going to say to jump to the next level. Yeah, go go abundance is probably where I would go, and the M one group within that. That's to me, that's the best recommendation. Those are guys that are that that have done it and have jumped up to the next level, and now we're thinking bigger in terms of, you know, thousands of doors and you know passive income opportunities and stuff like that. It just yeah, the getting around guys like that really forces you to think bigger. Um, and then there is uh, there's a level above that. I would say is probably the Genius Network. Joe Polish. Uh, his network and you know guys like Peter Diamandis are members of that. So that's something to aspire to to uh, mm-hmm. to drop twenty five k to uh, to join that mastermind. Yep. 
Yeah, you got. There's a lot of big groups like that. Um, I'm in a, a group, or I was. I we just recently did not rejoin, but Eight Figure Flipper and Seven Figure Flipper are some really awesome groups for flipping companies. I know they have things similar in real estate. I found a lot of times, and Eric, then you can kind of address this as well. When there's a national brokerage brand, it seems like agents within these national brands, like. E- EXP, um, Remax, Century 21, Keller Williams, Berkshire Hathaway. It seems like there's like this tight knit group of like the top 20 or 30 people within each of those organizations. The thing I haven't liked about that, because I've tapped into those groups and they've opened their doors and allowed me to attend things. I feel like everyone drinks the Kool-Aid of the brokerage brand and they don't open their mindset to ideas that are being generated outside of that brand. It's like they don't, they're not even interested. If it's not Century 21, then I don't want to know about it. If it's not KW, I don't want to know about it. And I think they're losing out on a lot of great opportunities. So I think it's awesome, Eric, that you're in that rate group. I'm jealous that you're in the rate group. Tell Matt <laughs> Wagner to open a second spot for me in Omaha, and I'll write him a big fat check. <laughs> That's right. Because uh, it's funny. The, the, the solution is a radio advertising solution to help them with lead gen. But I, I know for a fact a lot of the people in rate would stay even if they made no money off the lead gen just to have the relationships. That's that's my truth. And being in a smaller market like Fargo, uh, I, I don't I don't need I use, but I don't need the radio, I think, to get recognition because we're we're multifaceted in our marketing approach. And, and so you can't turn a corner without seeing my ugly mug on something. Right. Uh, and, and I always say I do a lot of modeling, but it's I'm always the before picture, you know, uh, <laughs> Uh, I I, I crave masterminding with people and I crave community. And so what we've done is uh, we at Hatch Coaching now have created, uh, I mean, we do, we do summits and events and that sort of thing, which are open to all people from uh, ISA training to lead conversion training to mini masterminds to leadership development to buyers and sellers and everything in between. Uh, But we just created and had our first event uh, earlier in July, uh, a mastermind group. And we pulled together people where uh, you have to do at least a million dollars in GCI or 100 sales a year. And the people we have in it are are, are doing three and four and five times that, uh, if not more so. And we're we're intentional on also saying that it's not just for the rainmaker. And this is where I think a lot of people mess up, myself included, is that the rainmaker will go and get educated or to mastermind or to connect with people and they fail to bring their key leaders with them. And what happens is the growth is only happening for one person. And then the leader comes back and they do the proverbial plop and drop where they say, here's the new idea. Here's what we're going to do and go and change it now. And instead, we've created with with Hatch Coaching, we've created a mastermind group for uh, some of the elites in the business uh, for them and their team members. They're allowed to bring up to two other key leaders every time so that they're influencing their entire organization or at least those major departments rather than doing the proverbial plop and drop. And we actually think that, interesting, uh, interestingly enough, is as you're doing a team building podcast, we're doing the same thing on our end in a, in a different kind of venue. And that is the, the success and the future of most of our worlds right now is based on the teams that we're a part of and the energy that we're bringing to them. And so we need to help rise the tide for everyone in our organization and not just for the rainmaker. And so yep. um, we've, we've created that. We think it's a special little niche and uh, uh, we're, uh, we're just growing right now and it's pretty fun. That's awesome, man. Where does someone go to learn more about that? Uh, you know, if you go to hatchcoaching.com, uh, you're able to find out everything that we're doing there uh, from events to uh, we have a marketplace. We created a really great role playing game for people to do. So uh, when it comes to script and role playing, we have that 
set up for you so you don't ever have to be creative. Uh, and uh, all that is all of that's available on our website. Uh, and, and so from a, a store to finding out events to getting personalized coaching to joining masterminds, we have that for you on our website. Awesome. I love the strategy you're talking about, about bringing your two direct reports or one direct report. When you look at like the book Rocket Fuel, it talks about the visionary who's the CEO and then the implementers who are your CEOs or CFOs. I would say I did not mean to do this, but in the beginning, when I started going around the country and masterminding, I brought my COO along with me. The added expense was simply his plane ticket. Otherwise, he just stayed. We would just get two beds and he'd stay with me in each room. And that was Kevin McGowan seven years ago. We've now together visited over 50 brick and mortar offices, have been to probably 50 different events all over the country. And he was my main implementer on my team in Omaha. And it was great because to your point, like the plop and drop, they have no vision. They, they weren't there to hear all these other people say that it works. And so they're constantly questioning. If they didn't get to see it, I could see someone questioning, is it really going to work? Should I do it? How do I do it? But what's nice about building those relationships, like what you guys are offering through your coaching and mastermind solution, is now they're going to have direct contact with other individuals who are in the weeds that are doing it as well. And they can reach out to them to help problem solve different issues. So the whole point of this is failing forward. We need to talk about some huge failures and how we're huge losers in different areas of our business. Eric was willing to share the fact that he had all these people leave him because he was selfish and egotistical and focused on making a ton of money and not focused on building other people's businesses and making a ton of money as a result of that. I have had the exact same failure. So we had a lot of the wrong people early on. I had no idea what I wanted. So I just took everything to try to discover what I wanted. And we started to create a pattern around what we believe to be the right agent for our culture versus the wrong agent. And now we've hired to that expectation. The biggest challenge being it's hard to find the right fits. But we'd rather, you've heard the old adage, hire slow, fire fast. We usually hire one out of 10 recruiting candidates. So we'll have about five that want to join. We'll say no. Uh, we'll have a couple that we want. Maybe they'll say no. And then one out of the 10 will end up deciding to come on board. So what would you say is your next biggest failure through your success? Where do you feel like today you're still somewhat failing? Uh, we've had an interesting year. Uh, you, you asked how many agents we have in production and we have, we have ISAs and showing partners and listing partners and admin and all these people that are supporting our Navy SEALs who are our agents in production. And uh, we started the year with eight buyer's agents, and come Monday, we will have lost four of those eight buyer agents. Um, Where'd they go? One, one moved to South Carolina. Um, one uh, we had to part ways with for uh, some HR things. Uh, and, and then a couple of them, uh, one chose to leave and just blindsided us. We had no idea what was going on. And uh, then she had a very close ally, and so she picked up and left as well. And... All, all these things are because of, of smalls that became big. Um, the, the one that we parted ways with were, were a thousand small little issues that ended up feeling really big. Um, the, the one that I would like to at least focus on is uh, we had a, a gal, and I love her dearly. She's now working for a competitor here in town. Um, and she brought along one of her, uh, one of her partners and who was one of our team members uh, to work alongside her. And the reason why I believe she picked up and the reason why I believe that she left was because uh, we took her for granted. She had been with us for four years. Um, she had done wonders uh, in our business, was a, a constant person, right? She wasn't our top producer. She wasn't our bottom producer. She was a steady Betty. And yep. she consistently did her job. Um, and we, we celebrate the big numbers. And we, we acknowledge those who are the superstars. And she was always above the standard and she was always meeting her goals. 
Now, couple that with the fact that she, uh, in, in a 30-month period, welcomed her first two kids into the world, right? Hmm. So her life, her priorities, and everything else changed. And we did not change the approach that we took to see her. Hmm. She, unfortunately, without ever us wanting to, she became invisible in our world. Because she always used to come to us, to the happy hours, to the socials. And now she had two kids and was gone for six months on maternity leave. And became invisible because we just kept the boat running and we kept the boat rowing when, when she was gone. And when she came back, she didn't jump in like she used to. And so because we just assumed she would, she was invisible. And uh, my heart broke when she told me that she was leaving. And in fact, it still breaks to talk about it because uh, I would love to have her in our world. And the mistake well, I will that tell made, you this. A lot of people are listening right now going, who is the who is that person on my team right now? Where am yeah, I missing? I'm literally the thinking who have the same I forgotten? Thing. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> let's let's address this real quick. What are some things that we can do um, to make sure that that doesn't happen for those listening? I think the assumption a lot of times is that people leave because they are going to get a better split or they feel like the team leader is not offering value. But I think it's more the person's not feeling valued. The person's not feeling mm-hmm. seen or listened to or heard. Um, one of the ways I've negated that is I actually attend a quarterly meeting with every one of my agents. So they know at least every three months they'll have a sit down with me for a half an hour to talk about their business and they see I care about them more than just a number. And then of course, you may or may not know this, Eric and Matt, you know this, but we have weekly one-on-ones with a success manager for all of our agents. That's just not, that's not me in that role. Um, it used to be me and that's why I still continue to do the quarterlies and it allows me to have a better feel for each of the agents and I give them a voice in that meeting to share with me whatever issues they may be having with the team so that I can correct those issues before they get so large that that person feels like leaving. What are some strategies you would recommend to the audience to help negate any of our audience members losing an agent like this, who to me is the best agent, that one that doesn't bug you very often. And maybe they're not doing 50 deals a year, but they're doing 25, 30 deals a year consistently. Those are the agents I'm actually recruiting right now. That's what I want. So what more could we do, Eric, to retain that agent? Uh, People talk about open door policies saying uh, people come to me at any time, but I think the open door policy is for the leader to go to their people. Uh, it's not for the people to come to the leader. It's for the leader to go to their people. And, and she was invisible and I wasn't the only one, but I'm, I'm going to take all the blame and fall on the sword is that, uh, as I was building other businesses, I wasn't as engaged with my realty company as it deserves. And so we're spotting those problems now and we're finding other people to make sure that nobody ever has more than six or seven direct reports. Um, anything beyond that. And, and you really run into some serious problems. Um, I like what you're doing, Jeff, in terms of having quarterly 30-minute one-on-ones with people. I've actually found that the greatest gain uh, has been in unscheduled connections. Hmm. Um, it, it, if it's scheduled, um, you're doing it because you have to. If you're showing up and meeting them at their desk, you're going out for a drink with them or asking them to lunch, it's because you want to. Right. And when, when I'm connecting, I'm not talking about business. I'm talking about their life. And so uh, I do uh, I do one-on-ones and I have uh, lunches with each of my team members. And so it's scheduled. And I make sure that in that time, I'm not talking about business. If they want to talk business, we can talk business. But I'm usually asking about their family, their health, mm-hmm. their dreams, their goals, and that sort of thing. But then I make sure that whenever I'm in the office, I, I go around and I make sure that every person is seen. Um, I, I, I need to know what their love language is and I need to mirror and match that. And so if they are an affection person, um, 
there's always lines that we have to be careful about in the workplace. But if, if we're on a hugging relationship, I'm going to greet them with a great hug or a pat on the back. If there are words of affirmation person, I'm going to praise publicly and in private. And I can do that through social media. I can do that through connecting with them. Uh, if they need quality time, that is the hardest one to give. And yet they will be completely destructive if you don't do it. Right. And, and, and so I need to make sure I know their love language. I need to make sure that I'm meeting them where they're at and I'm doing so when it's not scheduled, even though I might schedule it and I'll put an hour in my, my calendar saying connection time. Mm -hmm. uh, at that time, it's going to, to see those people to make sure that they're valued. Yep. I think this is great advice, you guys. You know, I think about my team. I've got about 40 agents and 10 admin staff. I'd love to meet with them all monthly to have some personal time. I know that's not always realistic for those listening, but I do think we need to be cognizant if we're self-actualized, recognize that when we're out at a team event, we're not just hanging out with the people we like the most or the lender or vendor we want to create an MSA with. We're putting time into these agents that maybe don't feel like they're seen, asking them personal questions. So a great example, we did a builder tour as our team. Um, every six months, we go out and look at like five or six new construction properties and make it a big to-do with a VIP limo and all sorts of stuff. Instead of sitting on the bus with maybe the people that I'm closer friends with, I chose to spend all the time with all of the newer hires and people that I don't feel like get very much FaceTime with me. That's not necessarily how I wanted to spend the time, but I can tell to your point, Eric, that was very authentic to them. It wasn't scheduled. I hadn't said to them, hey, we'll catch up on the bus. I chose to align myself with them and then show interest in their lives. So I think we need to be more cognizant of that as team leaders. I know we don't have a lot of time left, you guys. I know Eric and I wanted to deep dive into expansion. We'll have to bring you back on to talk about the woes of expansion and how to do it the right way. <laughs> And then also, I know you mentioned you own other businesses in and around real estate. I'm sure we could align on that as well. Um, I do want to put out the reminder. We are hosting a regional workshop. We have confirmed we are going to move forward with it in Key West, Florida, the first week of December. So if anybody's living in an area like Fargo, North Dakota, that wants to get out of town to go hang out for a couple of days in Key West, uh, we're going to have the dates and everything on the Elite Real Estate Systems website. Click on workshops. It's not there yet. It should be there in the next week or so. We also host a workshop in Omaha. Eric, I'd love to have you come down for that. Um, our next one's August 13th, and then we have one October 22nd, and we have one on November 12th. Uh, those usually run $29.97. You can bring one direct report. Uh, we see the value of that as well. Um, anybody that's an ERS uh, coaching client of ours gets a 66% uh, discount on all workshops and events. So you guys can come for $9.97. So if somebody out there is considering joining, if you're going to come out to a workshop, you might choose to join first because then you're going get, to get that big discount on the workshop. And then a reminder, our team building summit is going to be every summer in conjunction with the College World Series here in Omaha. Um, that's going to be in June of 2019. If you purchase a ticket now, we'll get you a VIP ticket for the regular ticket admission price of $297. Um, and that's going to include the, the final game of the College World Series, the championship game, the last night of the event. So go to the teambuildingsummit.com to check that out. And Eric, I'd love to have you and any of your people come down and attend that summit as well. And I would love to ask you to speak at that event if you'd be interested. So we can off talk a little more man. off air on that. But I thought I'd do a, a nice public invite, not to put any <laughs> pressure on you. Uh, this, never, this never happened to me for prom, so I'm glad it's happening now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Johnson, anything I missed? Uh, Eric, how do people reach you to uh, connect with your team about referrals in your area? Boy, we are easy to find. Uh, simply search for Hatch Realty in your Google browser. We will come up as uh, handsome and lovely. Facebook as well is a huge tool for us. Uh, 
Otherwise, uh, our coaching game, our real estate game uh, is uh, of similar belief of what uh, Jeff is doing here. And so uh, there's a lot of great opportunities for you out there. We have a big event coming up in September, September 19th to the 21st in Fargo. We have our premier uh, team uh, summit. And so uh, we're welcoming in 150 to 200 of the top people throughout the country, uh, including that a specialization in ISAs, leadership, uh, culture. Uh, we're bringing in Michael Mayer, author of Seven Levels of Communication, uh, nice. to speak as well, uh, and uh, creator of the referral generation. Uh, and so doing some great things here. So uh, people are welcome to check that out. That's at hatchcoaching.com. Very cool, guys. Cool. All right. Well, make sure to subscribe to the show. Jeff, you mentioned iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, all those places. Uh, make sure to leave a rating or review. We're certain, uh, shooting for 100 reviews and ratings on the podcast by the end of the year. Make sure to publicly call out guys like Eric. So if you uh, loved Eric's episode, uh, make sure to call him out in the review and thank him publicly for giving of his time and bringing all the value that he's brought. So with that said, guys, we appreciate it. Thank you so much for watching, listening, and all that good stuff. And we'll see you on the next one. Yeah, 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 yeah.